Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Yahoo's Joe Z. Hi, guys. I like this crowd. I'm very excited tonight to be able to sit here and have a conversation with a really good friend of mine and an incredible, talented designer that I have had so much respect for um, for my entire career. And she has been such a triumph and such a force in this industry that today I get to sit here and talk about the release of her first and new and amazing book. But before we start, you guys, give it up for Tori Birch. So chic, right? So beautiful. Look at this, you guys. This is so exciting. Um, anyways, first of all, Tori, I want to say thank you so much for having me come up here to the Apple Store with you and be able to have this conversation because this is such an interesting moment. I mean, we don't get to have a lot of books in our life. And to be able to celebrate your very first book with you, Tori Birch in Color, um, it's very exciting. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for coming. And I am, the one thing I can say is I am so impressed with people that do books after working on this one. My team and I had no idea what it would take to produce a book and do a book. So. It's true. We were having that conversation back there and we're like, oh, you know, we look at books really quickly and we think, oh, well, that's fun to do. Yeah. Years later, it's still fun, but it's years later. Yes, it, it was a couple of years. So thank you for coming. Thank you. So you know what I would love to start? I would love to start actually, Tori, with you being able to read an excerpt from your book and okay. sort of get everyone sort of initiated into what this book is about. Okay. Well, I happen to have it right here, Joe. Okay. So I see the world in color. It's the first thing I notice. I'm drawn to the ways color interact with and complement one another. The subtle variations within the same shade, navy, cornflower, and periwinkle, orange, mandarin, and coral. Living in full color is my guiding principle from the way I raise my children to the way I approach my work. Huck Finn meets Andy Warhol is how my brother Jamie describes our Kodachrome childhood. My parents, Buddy and Reva, raised my brothers, Robert, Jamie, Leonard, and me on a farm in Valley Forge at the end of the main line in Pennsylvania. They taught us to embrace differences in people and ideas and to surround ourselves with beauty and imagination. Even our family dinners every night were as special as they were with guests, table linens, terrines, flowers, and great fun. I love that. And you know what? I had some time to really go through the book, and the book is so beautiful, and I really encourage everybody to get the book on iBooks, onto your phone and everything afterwards as well. But what I loved about it was when I was going through the introduction that I thought you really summed it up perfectly in the last paragraph, and I'm just gonna read that. I, I, love the, I love that she said, so the book is a kaleidoscope of those influences and experiences told through the images and stories of the people, places, things, and ideas that inspire me. While 256 pages isn't enough to cover all the shades and combinations I love, the following 11 colors represent the ones that mean the most to me. Now, when you get the book, you'll understand why I was really drawn to that conclusion in the introduction. The entire book is sort of separated by chapters based on color, which to a fashion person seems obvious, but when, when I heard it, I was like, wow, I think that's so creative and inspiring. What made you want to separate each chapter into a color story? You know, we were so frustrated. We were working on this book for months, and it was a chapter book, and just, it wasn't right. And so one day, we took all of the pictures that we had and put them on the floor, and I just started to sort it by color. And, and right in front of our eyes, after months and months of working on something that wasn't working, it started to take shape and come together. It just made a lot of sense. And if you can see, that's one of the images from the book right now. So that is your signature shoe. That's a Riva 
shoe. <laughs> yes, that named is. after her mom My in the rainbow in the rainbow colors, um, which is really sort of indicative of what the the whole entire book is about. Um, so art, I mean, I think this is one of the things that I actually just learned about you as well after knowing you all these years. So you actually have a a major in art history. I do. And a lot of your collections, especially this particular season, has been inspired by the idea of art. How does that play into your creative process? I mean, between art and architecture and interiors, I would say every single collection is, is referencing an artist or a palette or some sort of interior design. And in fact, the whole company was inspired by David Hicks, interior designer, when we looked at the design of, of the store. When we, 11 years ago, went to design the store, uh, retail was very minimalist. And so we thought it would be really interesting to do an environment that felt like you were walking into someone's living room. And I remember those, David. Yeah. I mean, they still are very influenced. I mean, I think what was so great about you right away was that you launched with such a strong visual signature, and it was color at the very beginning. I mean, it, it was still color, is. and it was pretty bright. It was fuchsia, orange, and moss green. So. I mean, a lot like the Rothko. So this is another image from the book, but a lot like the Rothko images and, and the colors. A, I love the Rothko, and I always, I, as a as a kid, I always wanted a coral bedroom, which I never got. So um, we finally got it with the orange doors of our store. So this is an image from the book, and um, your current collection is very inspired also by armor that your father collected. Yeah, uh, you know, and my grandfather, and what a great uh, inspiration. And it was sort of any armor, it was samurai, it was medieval. And when you look through, you go to museums, the Met has an incredible exhibit, but if you look at the detailing of the textiles and the embroideries, it's pretty fantastic. There's a, a lot to work with. Um, and art being a theme, there were a lot of artists that sort of made their way into the book as well, the Jeff Koons and the Ellsworth Kelly. How did you get to decide, or how did you know who to decide to put into the book as your points of inspiration? Well, it was a lot of begging, actually, because every person, every picture that we put in the book, we had to get approval for. So it wasn't really, but there were so many artists that I admire. Jeff Koons is one of them, and he uh, did a great interview in the book, and I just think he's, for, for this period in, in our time, what a, an amazing contemporary artist. Um, but then we have that contrasted with de Kooning. So it's sort of like ha, so many different references. And I think that sums up our company. We, the book was really, in the beginning, meant to bring our blog to life, to really show friends, customers, family, sort of the, re the point of reference. They're so, it's so vast what inspires us. We're so happy to be an American brand, but really our, our inspiration is global. When we look at what's inspiring us, it's different countries around the world, different women around the world. So that was the starting point. And I, I think the interesting thing is when I did look at the book, like I think it's an obvious thing for fashion designers to do books filled with sketches and clothes, which we see one here. But I think it was actually more than that. And I think it was anything but clothes, to be honest. It was really about you. And I think there's so much about like this humanity and this warmth and like told through the stories of color and inspiration and creativity. And I think at the end of the day, that tells me so much about the person and it isn't just about a store or brand, and I think that's such a great thing to say. Well, it, yeah, and I, you know, I love poetry, so it'd be, it was interesting to take each chapter and pick, like, well, with my brother, he's he loves poetry too, but he picked like the most important thing that he could think to start off the chapter. But then there's Ithaca, which is one of my favorite poems. So it was kind of interesting to see, and I'm always interested in in 
life to see how art influences music, which influences design. And, and so that's sort of what we're always looking at. I'm personally. And, and I can see that. And I, I, I th but it feels very authentic. And I think, you know, we talk about this all the time that, you know, I think we live in an age of authenticity, that you have to believe the things you put out there because people can very quickly tell you if it's not. And I think that's, well, yeah, that's what I, I, I mean, get from you with the internet now. And it was really fun to see. Well, I think what we tried to demonstrate in the book is when I was in India, I took a picture of this incredible sculpture with red flowers. And then you can see how we translated that into a dress. I love it. Okay, so you mentioned Jeff Koons. He just recently had an exhibition that closed at the Whitney. I don't know if any of you did not get to see it. You really missed out. It was incredible. But moving from Jeff Koons to Damien Hirst, which is the artist who did the painting the on the cover. On, on the cover of your book. I was actually I was actually kind of surprised to learn that too. How did you land on Damien Hirst and this particular image to be the cover of your so book? So this was probably the most challenging is picking a cover. And I'm just looking for my team because we probably had 200 options, all of which were my face. And so I was like, forget it. I do not want to be on the cover of the book. Finally, I was walking. It was literally two weeks before the book had to close. And I saw the spin art in Harper's Bazaar. And I was like, that is the perfect, perfect cover. And my team was like, we're never gonna get it, ever, ever. Forget it, just pick another picture. We called his, um, we called his uh, office and really he liked what our foundation was doing and that's why he gave us the painting. So all the proceeds go to our foundation, 100% of them. So I think that that sort of sealed the deal. And it was just so perfect. When, and I, you know, I wasn't sure how we would take us putting a logo on his painting. And he was really open to it. So we, we were very thankful. That was, that was a lot of luck. I, I think it's beautiful. But the takeaway there is if you don't ask, you yeah, don't get. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because <laughs> we were so set on getting a no. Um, so you mentioned your parents. And this is what I was saying before, that the book is really very personal, I think, in a way. And when you say it's your blog come to life, and a blog to me is really almost a public diary entry in a way. So the well, idea you that know how private I am. So <laughs> for, you, for you to be saying that, I'm like, what did we put in that I shouldn't have? No, but it always feels very personal yeah, in a way no, where I feel like is. I can actually it's get to know pictures, you. family pictures, definitely. And there are a lot of great family pictures in the way that you grew up, and your and your parents in particular. So you mentioned Buddy and Riva, and we had talked about Riva being the the namesake behind your signature shoe. But how did you want them portrayed in the book? Like there is a there, there is that fine line where you thought like, okay, now it becomes a photo album. And not uh, a book uh, about. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I started the company, the, the inspiration that I kept referring back to were pictures of my parents in the, in the 60s and 70s and, and their trips and also their relationship. I was like, here's a couple that's been married for almost 50 years. I've never seen someone, two people so in love. But then I was looking at pictures to Greece, pictures to Morocco. They, they honeymooned in Morocco 60 years ago. So it was just so, it was another time. It was so effortlessly chic and, and not contrived that, that I would say, that if anything, that was the start of the whole company. So I definitely had to reference them a fair amount throughout. No, of course. But, and, but you really talked also a little bit about growing up on Fowley Forge, which is a farm. In a essence. farm, yes. So what was life like on a farm? I can't personally picture Tory Burch on a farm. <laughs> I but what, <laughs> No, but you did. But what is life on a farm like? I, it I, was heaven, honestly. I mean, I had three brothers. I was a complete tomboy. I, that's my house. But I was raised with uh, my parents really caring about family. And I would say my mom loved to celebrate holidays, any holiday, basically. So, But she would put the same care into a family dinner as if she was having the Queen of England, not that she ever did, but I'm just saying it was just surrounded by beauty, but it was more beauty about imagination. And and that's what, it, I, my mother is a complete optimist, but it was always about, 
curiosity, embracing culture, seeing why things are the way they are in the world, and, and, and just taking people in. She was a collector, but it was also they collected people. Like any given day, we would come home, and there was someone there, and I'd be like, well, who's that? And he'd be there for six months. So it was sort of, oh. it was a bit of a crazy childhood. That sounds fun, though. Wait, what else did they collect? <laughs> my, my brother called it Huck Finn meets Andy Warhol. So that's the way we were raised. So. <laughs> were there cows and No, like it, was, it was more of a gentleman's farm, but we did have a lot of animals. We had a lot of dogs. We had cats. We had ducks and everything. Oh, I love that. But was there a romanticized version of your parents, like the Buddy and Reva story that really unfolded on Fa- in Valley Forge in a way? That I think so. I mean, I think part of the reason they moved out to Valley Forge was to sort of have this wholesome life of just being about family, being you know, not being so on the main line in Philadelphia. They wanted to move to the end of it. And and so it was great. I, I mean, they, my father, and, and there's one page I think you're going to show later. It was... They they had a, a really colorful dating life before they met each other. I don't think my father, he married my mother when he was 44. So back then, that was quite old. <laughs> well, let's do, let's spill it a little bit, though, because these guys all came out tonight. So your mom dated Steve McQueen at one point. She did. She did. We, and your dad dated Grace Kelly for yeah, a minute. Yeah, so for a minute. <laughs> so he, they dated, they had a colorful dating life. That's what I was saying. So. <laughs> But then when they met each other, I, I, they, he fell mad, they fell madly in love. And it was, it's a really incredible story. Were there some ideals that you grew up with? Was there something that you took away from your mother? I mean, I think we all grow up and have that thing where we always remember what our mother teaches us growing up. You know, wherever we are, whatever situation we're in. Was there that thing that you took away and said, I will always remember that, what Reva told well, me? Well, I think my parents, both of them, but my mom particularly, gave us the notion that, we, instilled in us that we could do anything we set our mind to. And I was talking about that today, and um, sort of the man versus woman in the workplace, that was the question to me. And I said, you know, I grew up with three brothers not knowing that gender would have any effect on us in the workplace. And my mom really instilled that, that I could do anything I put my mind to, my brothers could. So it was all about optimism. It was, you know, she she said negativity is noise. That was a big comment they always made. If there's if there's noise out there, you just have to thicken your skin and move forward. But that was a, that was a big thing for you in putting together the book too. And I asked that because I remember going through it and there was this incredible advice from everyone from Christy Turlington to like Mindy Kaling. Yeah. That was just things that they, t- nuggets that they took away from Do you know how I met Mindy? Mindy and I met because she tweeted at me and I tweeted back. She was a Twitter friend. We, she was a Twitter friend. That's really kind of embarrassing. But then we became friends on Twitter. I have Twitter And she has the too. funniest tweets out of any person I've ever. Oh no, I can just literally be laughing to myself yeah. <laughs> sitting on a subway and people will look around and so, uh, um, stop laughing. But yeah. <laughs> But why is sharing advice so important to you? Why did you feel like this was an important part of the book, that you wanted to share not just your advice, but, you know, from different women and important women and people who had something to say? Well, I really thought about who did I admire. And and my team and I pulled together lists of people that we had so much respect for, people that we really, really admired. And it could be Christy Turlington for the work she's doing or or Hillary Clinton or Ariane Huffington. But it's, it's also people, Dina Powell, who runs philanthropy at Goldman Sachs, so it's just people that I think are doing very interesting things. And I always love advice. I mean, I'm an information gatherer. I, when I started the company, I got a lot of advice. But then you have to have conviction, and you have to really go with your, your own personal instinct. But I also love advice from different people, because yeah. I always think when the, the minute someone else tells me something, I think, 
oh, that's so obvious. I don't know why I just didn't see it. And I think it's nice to have that sort of objective party come in and just be able to like help you sort something out. Well, it is, and, and they're not so close to the situation. Often. Which is kind of so great. It is. And of course, I'll get this up here in a minute, but yeah, you may have asked me for advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and Josie. <laughs> Incredible okay, so advice. <laughs> plug, plug. But um, no, but I, I, I thank you for including me. That was, I feel very honored to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it was a lot of thought of just really people that are doing extraordinary things. Guys, I'm on a page with Charlie Rose and like Marissa Berenson. I think that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, but, um, <laughs> sorry, I got off track. I got so excited. Um, but I, I want to get back to Tory Burst, the company, though. So I know recently I learned that, you know, you have just celebrated a 10-year anniversary. What was that like to launch a company? Like, did you think you would be here today with this type of empire that you do run, in a way, and really sort of inspiring so many different women to be able to get up and do it? Yeah, so if you asked me where I would be 12 years ago, I would have had no idea. And that's the thing. We had a... I, I took time off after working at LVMH to be a mom. I had three boys under the age of four, and I realized it was one of those tough decisions that you, a career was so important, but we, I couldn't do both. And so it was during that time that I came up with the concept for the company. And I, one of the ideas I had that was part of the business plan was to start a foundation. And if the company were to be successful, a foundation would be part of the DNA and the fabric, knowing that we'd have to build the company first. But I had no idea. The five-year plan was, was three stores, I believe, and it, it turned out very differently. It, it, and I, I was actually giving this advice to someone the other day when they were saying, like, oh, what, what do you think? And I think, have a plan for your life, but be prepared to throw it out because the detours are always the best thing going for you. And yeah, I think and also move with the rhythm and, and, yeah. the, and, the, and the waves because you just never know what comes your way. And certainly, I couldn't have imagined half the things that have come my way, good and bad, over the last 10 years. But there's, you, there's a picture of you and your team right there. Um, how do you go about finding the right team? Like, What kind of values do you really look for pe in people when you are putting your team together? Uh, Bridget, who works with me, she came. She was president of Michael Kors when she came to interview, interview with me out of my apartment. And I said, she told me that everyone in her office told her she was committing career suicide. And I said, you know, this is the type of environment. I want to have a non-bitchy fashion environment. I want, I want to, and I use that word. We still use it when we interview people. And I said, you know, I want to have a place where I was thinking about women because having, being a mother and, and trying to balance a, a career was very tough. So I thought we need to create, a create an environment where women can come and work. It's not about clocking people in and out. It's about the quality of work. And people can go for a lacrosse game, a doctor appointment, and we're not that concerned. That's said we've we do the same for men it's not like we need to have men part of that conversation as well and so bridge that sort of the non-bitchy fashion environment was was key i love that now listen you guys you laugh at that it's actually a big thing in this industry so it's well no, you know i mean you i do know and i think you know what you i want to cultivate a fun environment because that's what fashion should be fashion should be fun and a lot of times it isn't and i think when you do see it you really respect it well and when people are happy it's, they give their best work and it's pretty simple that concept I will attest to that. Her entire team is standing against the wall. They are All some happy. of the most, well, <laughs> some of them, but they are the most lovely people I have ever worked with in anybody I deal with. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting up here. They are, I am honestly telling the truth. But 
Um, I want to ask you about your store. So talking about 10 years, take yourself 10 years back. You're getting ready to launch. You're going to open your first store. I mean, that is a big monumental moment for any designer. You know, what is that like for you, that night before you open your yeah, big store? Yeah, so we, my three stepdaughters and I work through the night. The, the doors hadn't arrived, so we opened the store without the doors. We had a party during, uh, it was 2004, February, during Fashion Week. So we invited press, out-of-town press, friends and family, and from 10 in the morning till 6 at night, we realized that maybe we were onto something because I would say 90% of our inventory was sold. And I think what happened was is that we hit a white space in the market. And it was this idea of beautifully designed things that weren't a designer price point. We tried to keep it as inexpensive as we possibly could. Do you think it w for the very beginning of your business, do you think it was a slow burn or do you think it was zero to 60? Like how, like what was that reaction? How did you feel about putting it out there and then seeing 90% of it being sold? It was surreal. I mean, honestly, I had didn't know how people would think about it. We we found a little store on in downtown Nolita and it was the rent was great. I had I had done a round of, round of fundraising, and I said to all my friends, please invest what you can lose, because I was terrified of taking people's money and losing it. That said, 120 people invested in our company that first that first time. That's amazing. And they could invest as little or as much as they wanted. So and look, you heard 10 years later. Yeah. Um, but you also did that as you said, being a mom. So you had three step, you had your three boys, your stepdaughters, and you took time out being a mom, but then you came back and doing this. You know, and I think for a lot of people, we go through this conversation all the time, but is there a, is that a difficult balance between being a mom and being able to go to work and get it done the way you want to get it done? Yeah, I mean, it's my hardest challenge, and I think it's a challenge for everyone. You have to make priorities. My boys come first, they know that. Although they told me the other night they'd prefer me to start working more and traveling more. They just turned 17, <laughs> my twins, and they think I'm around way too much. So um, I hope they're kidding, but you know, I feel like I am a very hands-on mom, and to me that is super important. So once I'm a great mom, in my, in my heart, I can be a great CEO and designer. And, the, and it's not easy. It's very, very tough. So then how do you draw the line? Because you're so active on social media, and we had this conversation before, but... Is it hard to sort of police the kids and at the same time being able to run a business? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Teenage boys, it's not yeah, an easy thing. Yeah, it's very hard. You can imagine. I mean, <laughs> teenage boys, they, they are a handful. But they also say, what do I expect out of teenage boys? That, you know, they, they are, but they're great kids. And no, I mean, I wouldn't trade any of it. So. And are they interested in this business? Do you see them running this that's business? That's my little one. They have not shown me enough interest at all, or any interest, and that's fine. <laughs> I, I think they're very interested in music, and, and they're teaching me a lot about different kinds of music. I, I love it, but no, not as of yet. Although my son, Nick, it started to intern for us a little this summer, but we'll see. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're the boys. <laughs> so cute. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the foundation, and I know you have brought it up several times, and I love for people to really understand and hear the philosophy behind the foundation, because the proceeds of the book also benefit the foundation. Yes. And and I think it's, it's it's such an incredible cause, but I love for everybody to sort of get Yeah, so our it. foundation uh, supports women entrepreneurs, and, and we, we ha give women access to low-cost capital entrepreneurial education and mentorship. And with Goldman Sachs, we started uh, a mini business school nine-week program, which is very exciting. It's I never went to business school, so I realized some of the challenges I had and some of the things I just never learned. 
uh, Bank of America we partnered with last January. And what's exciting about that is now we have the capital to give out. And we have to find the entrepreneurs to really that really need to borrow that capital. And so that's something that's going to be a big strategy. We They've committed to $10 million, And once we give out the $10 million, they'll, they will con continue to give depending on the need. And then the proceeds from this book. But you have a lot of very famous heavy-hitting women part of the foundation. Hillary Clinton. Ariana Huffington, Carolina Herrera. I mean, how how do they all participate within the foundation? Well, they've just given advice or been mentors. We're going to be setting up, we're going to be relaunching our website, which I think we have very high expectations, but we would like to be the go-to website to, to teach women. There's something called CDFIs. I'm not sure. If, do you know what a CDFI is? It's a local lending company I and I didn't either before but I think women are going to local CDFIs or they don't know about them and then they're just going right to the banks and then they're being denied so we we know that women are a great investment we many of the entrepreneurs we work with are single mothers they're they're paying back their loans they're incredible business people and they're they're worth the investment because it's really a jump start to our economy as well I agree. And I think it's an incredible thing that the cause, that the proceeds from the book go towards this cause, which Thank is really you. a great thing to really help the ge next generation of women, too, to be able to maybe be the next you. <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, when I went to speak at a couple colleges recently, the number one thing the students said to me is they wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I thought that was so interesting. It wasn't like, I want to be a designer and I will become an entrepreneur. They really just want to be entrepreneurs. And, and to me, that's just a change in, in what's happening. I think that's a, I, but I was having this conversation. I really think it's also this particular generation. I think, you know, my parents' generation, everybody had the same job. They had their whole lives. And then, you know, you get older, you change jobs several times. But I think this particular generation likes to make it happen for themselves and like to do several things all at one time. And they also like to have a social aspect, which I, I think is really exciting. So when a lot of these people, a lot of the students that I met with, I said, if you were to start a company, would you have social, social responsibility be part of it? And they all said yes. It would be definitely part of the business plan. Wow, I love that. Um, so I, I want to say, so we've talked about being a mom, your store opening, and all of these things that sort of encompasses your book. But you had mentioned earlier even all the exotic travels that your parents went through. But you yourself is an avid traveler. And that worldwide globe trotting is a big inspiration in the book within the color chapters as well. Tell us about your travels. Well, I love traveling. And I mean, anywhere from India, we spent a, a month in Rajasthan to Burma and, and Myanmar. Um, you know, for me, it's just seeing new things and cultures and people are so fascinating. But also, when you go to India, you see the vibrancy, you see the colors, you see the embroideries. It's, it's astounding to see it. Where are some, what are some fra your favorite places that you've been to? Well, I love Morocco. Um, I, I, I was, um, I, I've never been on a safari. That's something I would love to do at some point. But I, I mean, and you know, Peru, I thought mm. was, uh, Peru's right behind you. That was pretty awe-inspiring. To take my boys and show them new things is, is very exciting. Where do you think you got your sense of wanderlust from? I mean, I know when I was a kid, I said I wanted to be a flight attendant so I could travel. You did? Well, <laughs> I did. I really did. I think I was six, and I said, I think I just want to be, well, back then, I think I just want to be a stewardess so I can fly on planes. 
Uh, well, I de definitely got it from my parents, but I did a program in college called Semester at Sea, and, and to me, I think that gave me the love of travel. It was a boat, and you went to 12 countries around the world. We started in Spain, ended in Japan, but a lot of them were developing countries. So we went to Malaysia, we went to China, we went to all these different places around the world. And, and so you would study in between the ports, and then you would go see it, which was pretty exciting. Do you bring a lot of things back from you from your travels? I do. I, I love going to flea markets. Actually, the, the number one piece in our collection in the first few years was a tunic, and I found it for $6 as polyester in a French flea market. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's framed in, in, our, in our office right now. Oh, I love it. So wait, are there other things that you bring back with you all the time? Is your, is your home just filled with mementos of your travels? It is. I, I mean, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I wanna, don't want to have too much around, but I do beads and, and textiles and things like that, embroideries. And a lot of it works its way into the creativity and the vision behind your collection they as well. They do. They absolutely do. Um, and then I have to say, okay, so you've been to Italy, Turkey, India, Japan, and you really collect also a lot of porcelain from the so different places. So porcelain I've well. always, my mother and I have always collected porcelain, but it's, it's you know, the finer porcelain, but I love the raw porcelain and the more crafty as well. So for me, I like the mix of it, and that's something we just started to do pottery and, and things part of the collection. I, there's a woman out of Palm Beach that I've always admired and always collected her pottery named Dodie Thayer. And I called her another cold call out of the blue and um, I felt like she never really got the attention she deserved. She's 93 and I said, can we do a collaboration together? So I called her and now it will be coming out. So I'm very excited. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna be there first. Let us wear it's bright Okay, green. now, <laughs> you guys, this is the best part about Tori. So she travels everywhere. She's an awesome mom. She's an entrepreneur. She gives back and everything. She also has a very eclectic taste in music. <laughs> she loves Tupac. Okay, okay but that's I true. Mean, not, look, someone's applauding. <laughs> I wasn't telling that story for applause, but I was just like, oh, I would never have... I would never have gamed you to be a Tupac lover. Well, we're I love kindred Tupac, spirits because Joe takes rap classes and dancing classes. So I do like rap music. I'm I, getting called my, out on the stage by no, Tori Burch. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> listen, music to me is, is it's such inspiration. It can be Johnny Cash to Van Morrison to Tupac. So I agree. Very I, I eclectic. Love, I love eclectic <laughs> playlists because I think they're, it's just a great way to sort of, it's, it's just another form of creativity music, I think. It is. And actually, we had some great people in the book do playlists. And, and I mean, there's nothing greater as a Christmas or holiday present to give someone a CD with great songs on it. Okay, I think we're going to go to Q&A in a minute, but I, I just want to remind everybody that so every single chapter in the book is a color. So I just want to do a quick thing, like a very brief description. If I throw a color out, Tori, will you tell me a super quick story about uh, each one? Oh, sure. I'll try. All <laughs> right. See. Okay, red. <laughs> oh, well, Christmas at Valley Forge and my mother put the red ribbons all over the house. Oh, all right. Blue. Oh, Eve Klein. Gold. That incredible blue. Um, gold, I would say Myanmar, the temples in Myanmar. All right, yellow. My first handbag. Oh, well. Not very, not very good looking. No, but from that, I guess Plastic. we have to go to Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I was four. Uh, all right. But, you know, maybe, maybe there's more colors in the audience. Um, do any of you guys have a question for Tori? Hey, Tori, thanks for coming and speaking to us. I think you might agree that we learn more from our failures than our successes? <laughs> okay. Um, well, there's been so many challenges that we've had. And I think, I think, you know, one thing I talk to my team a lot about is during those challenges, you have to really 
be a leader and you have to lead with conviction. So the toughest times, which I've been through many, I mean, I can just say one time we were changing systems and we didn't back up anything properly. It was maybe six years ago. Um, it was a huge mistake. So it was when social media was really taking off. We were just starting Twitter and everything. But it was maybe a six-month problem. And we had to make the decision to be authentic and really talk about it with our customer and, or not. And, and the great thing is, with, with, with social media, transparency is super important and being authentic. And just in general, that's how our company's set up. But to have, the, to, so we, we decided to do that. It, was, it took us maybe eight months to get out of a really bad place, of going to New Jersey, packing up boxes ourselves, everyone on our team, I'm sure some people over there, including myself, on Sunday nights at two in the morning, would be packing and shipping boxes. And we had no visibility, so that was a perfect. Um, but that said, we learned from it, we now have really good systems going in, working with SAP, which is a lot of fun. And um, so th there's been so many, but I, but I think it's um, really learning from the problems and mistakes is, is really the telling part, is how you go forward. Hi, uh, my name is Yulia, and I'm actually from Krasnopol in Russia. And, and over there, everybody's totally crazy about hills, and everybody has to wear it. But weather is really tough, and some people just don't like it, not many or like I have arthritis, so I can't wear it. So I would think it'd be a great idea for you to bring your clothes and shoes over there. To would Russia. you do that? And yeah, do I mean, you think it's a great idea? No, we do sell to a store in, in Russia, and I do feel that we will. I actually met with people this uh, round of fashion shows to really think about distribution there. So I think definitely. And I, we have great boots and that are flat, a lot of flats. So yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you. You're welcome. Hi, Nancy. Um, I wanted to know, um, I'm 17 and I want to like make a business and I don't know what I should do. So I wanted to know how old you were when you started like fashion and maybe like when you got the idea to write a book now, but when you were younger, you started fashion. So I wanted to know what like, no, what you know, I had it. no idea when I was your age at all. I, I knew that I loved sports and I loved horseback riding and I knew I wanted to get into college. So I went to Penn thought, and, and I was an art history major, as Joe said, and I thought I would really go into the art world. That said, I didn't. I called a designer um, that my mom wore his clothes, his name was Zorin, and he said that I could have a job, but I had to start in a week. And each job that I had was not the perfect job, but I think, and I was talking to someone this morning, I think the important thing is to really take things and, and approach it in an entrepreneurial way and, and take away what you can from each position and learn, learn the most, even if it's not the perfect position and then it sort of comes do you know I was 37 when I started this company so it was 10 years ago and that was after being a mom for four years and you know it's something that I feel like it's never too early or late it's when you have that great idea you really believe in it but know it's gonna be a tremendous amount of work I always laugh when people say oh it's an overnight success there was nothing about this that was an overnight success it's been 10 no 12 years of really hard work but great fun Hi, Tori. Hi. Um, as a man, I'm obviously very selfishly excited for your, uh, your men's accessory launch for spring 2015. You have three sons, grew up with a lot of brothers. How much in inspiration have uh, they helped inspire this line, and what more can we expect from the men's? So I hate to say we're putting men's on hold a little bit. <laughs> I was like, 
It's not going to be spring 15, although it will be eventually. But I'm I waiting do. Too. I get a lot of pressure. I have three brothers and three boys. And my boys are now wearing my logo belt, which is a little embarrassing. It's not meant for them. But that's their pressure. But no, I mean, I think they give me so much inspiration. The person that gave me the most was my father. And I feel that he should have been a designer because the detailing that he did on his own clothing was amazing. And I have, sadly, he passed away, but I have his wardrobe. And he, he, he was so meticulous about everything and, and the, his attention to detail that, yes, for his, and, and my brother Robert sort of inherited his sense of style and my boys are style and training. I'm sort of laying off of them, letting them form their own opinions on style because they're not into fashion, which I like. Um, hi, Tori. I'm actually a first-year student at Babson College, and oh. you are so loved and admired there. Um, my question is, how easy was it for you to form a team that you really got along with, and what advice do you have about forming a team like that? You know, I would say it's never easy to find a great team, although a team makes all the difference. And I, I, I've never been one, I guess I've always been one to look for people that I think are more talented than me, and I've never been one to be scared of that. And I think that's a very good thing to remember as, as you start to work, because if you surround yourself with stellar people, it just it makes things possible. And that's what I've done. As my whole career, I've surrounded myself with people that I think are brilliant. Hi, my name is Kelly. Um, I've always been really curious about what it's like right before the runway show. Um, what's going on in your head, and then once it's going on, what is going on in your head? What is the whole process of all of that? It just seems so chaotic. No, it's, it's frenetic, first of all. It's crazy backstage. And we've only done five shows, so it's been... The, the first eight years of our business, we didn't have the budget to have fashion shows. So we had to do presentations, which was not fun, I can tell you. It was being standing outside and people coming and going. And you having, I'm much better behind the scenes. That said, it's crazy that you, know, you want everyone to look perfect. You're working with our teams to make sure the models are really walking in the right way. They're, they're, looking, they're looking good. But then you're also watching the teleprompter <laughs> to see people's reactions. <laughs> Like Joe, we're seeing uh -oh. if he's like sitting there <laughs> liking the music or not. No, it's 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 pretty um, it's it's scary. I mean, you've been backstage, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I think with fashion shows that you have to keep in mind that you've been working on that collection for six months or and a year, a year, and then it's literally over in fifteen twenty minutes. So. You know, it, it, it's a bit like Christmas. You get really excited, and then it's it's euphoric at, at that same yeah, time. Yeah, I said it's like planning a wedding twice a year, and then it's sort of like the letdown after. Like, <laughs> not not after getting married, but just sort of like, you know, when you have a big party, and all of a sudden you've been working on it for so long, and then it's nine minutes, the show's over, and then it's like, okay, now, now we're working on the next season. But it's hard. I mean, you have to wait for the the critics to write the reviews and you've been working on something you're so close to it for a year that it's it's really until you get those reviews and, and read it then you move on quickly hi so we all know that fashion industry is really tough how was it for you to get into the fashion world well you know it's it's sort of like you 
I just made some calls, and you, you get a lot of a lot of people didn't call me back, and and a lot of people did. So you just have to be tenacious, and I think internships are a great way to get in. You really can also see what you like about the company, what you like about that business, and I I we have a great internship program in the summers where you can choose, you can be in knits or you can be in finance, but you really see the whole process, and I think it's it's a great win. Do you have any um, internship? No, anything to add to that? Just <laughs> I have some internships. Joe is, Joe is hiring. <laughs> there you go. No, no, no. Um, but to get into the fashion industry. No, I, th I think internships. I was going to say, and I think that's always my point of recommendation because I think that's really where you can have touch points with everyone that's making it happen and be able to see how it happens. And I think we all, especially you know, when you're starting out, you have a romanticized idea of what fashion is, but when you actually get there, it's not really what you think. So it's fun to do internships and try different things out. So if you are rotating to different departments, you actually discover things you never knew existed that could actually be something you're really dedicated to. So that's really my biggest big my biggest recommendation for anyone who wants to break in the industry. Yeah. Hi. When you first started, um, was there any point where you're like going to quit and stop because it was getting too hard or like any time where you're just like, this is too much, I don't want to do it? There were many times like that, and I have to say I'm so glad I, I really pushed push through. But when I first started, I had, as I said, I had three boys. I would put them to bed, and I would be falling asleep on the phone with our office in Hong Kong at 4 in the morning. And I would say that was probably for three years, so it was not a short process. But then you face unexpected challenges, and, and being a private person, it's very hard to sort of put yourself out there but not, and how do, what is that balance, and how do you protect your family, and how do you put enough out there that is that works for you but also is helping the business. So it's always that fine balance for me, and that's something um, that there were many times. But you, you also have a great team that you're starting to amass and put together and that you, you, other people count on you. So you, you sort of, are, I'm happy that I never listened to, to those feelings. So that's If it. it's not hard, it's not worth doing, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, if you're not dreaming big enough, that's what we were saying. If you're not, you have to dream and then You know, you always it. got to run that extra little bit just when you think you're done. It's everything in life. Yes. Um, I think we're done with Q&A. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, I Joe. Wanna, I, thank you, Tori. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone at Apple for hosting tonight. Thank you, Apple. And don't forget, everybody, please get the book on iBooks, Tori Birch and Color. Um, you're going to love it. It is one of the most beautiful books, um, both to look at and to read. So get it before you leave. Get it on your phone. Get it at home. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.